Holy Gospel according to Matthew 18. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their Lord, all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you that you forgive us our sins. Help us to forgive one another. Amen. Well, one of my children was doing a good job at evangelism. They were telling one of their friends at school about baptism. And they told their friend that when you're baptized, all of your sins are forgiven forever. And his friend said, really? What if I killed a thousand people? And so my son said back to his friend, well, God, if you kill a thousand people, God would forgive you, but he'd also probably give you a consequence. Which I thought was a pretty good answer for a, a fourth grader. Consider Genesis 50 and the death of Jacob. For better or worse, Jacob was a patriarch who maintained the status quo. He was in some ways good and in other ways not so good. He was at the heart of a dysfunctional family. He had a role to play in keeping peace between the siblings, 12 brothers, and at least one sister, likely more, but he also kept some injustices firmly entrenched. 
So when he died, it was a big deal. At first, of course, everyone was sad and in shock. And then it began to occur to the surviving family that not only had their beloved father, grandfather died, but also the old order, the authority figure that kept everyone in line. And that's why in our first reading this morning, it says, realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph repays us for the evil we did? Dad's not going to protect us. I suspect that this kind of a moment is possible for each of us. We might have grown accustomed to the present set of circumstances. We've adjusted ourselves to live within a certain range of privileges that have been afforded to us, whether we deserve them or not. There will surely come a day, like when Jacob died, for us, just like his sons, when we realize it's not necessarily God who has died, but what we thought was God has died. We might feel vulnerable, and we might be forced to make amends with estranged siblings or friends or family for no other reason, at least because our own survival depends on it. Last week, we read about how Jesus gave instructions how to confront someone who had sinned against us. And the reason why this was so important for Jesus to teach us is that our survival as a species depends on it. Today, we continue with the same lesson, the same exact conversation Jesus was having with Peter. Peter asks Jesus, okay, so how many times do I have to forgive? Seven? And Jesus says, not seven, but 77. And actually, you can translate the Greek a couple different ways. You could actually translate it 70 times 70, 4,900 times. So it really begs the question, how are we supposed to do that? Because we know Jesus doesn't want us to be a doormat. We know that. Jesus isn't saying to Peter, hey, let someone hurt you over and over again. That is not what forgiveness is. So let me offer some examples of what forgiveness could be. Forgiveness could be something like active listening, like I was talking about with the children. Sometimes it's called affirmative inquiry, looking for something you can agree with in your conversation partner and building off of that. And this is so important because it has to do with how our minds work and how we are made in the image of God. For a long time, philosophers, and even still today, debate on the core nature of human beings. On the one hand, you have philosophers that have the empirical view. And what that means is that when we come into this world, we are essentially blank slates, empty vessels, dough or clay that hasn't been shaped. And every impression that we have forms us to who we are. That's called the empirical view. In other words, 
the data that, that comes onto us shapes us. But not everyone thinks that way. There's another camp in philosophy called the rationalists. And they say that's not true at all. They say when you come into this world, you already have a personality. You are born with a soul. You are born with a mind that is capable of thinking and understanding the truth. And you can see how these two perspectives are a bit at odds with each other. If we take the empirical view that human beings are just blank slates, then you can understand the pirate, right? If that's the case, then all we have to do is we just have to inundate people and get them to agree with us. We pour information over their head over and over again. You know, we call that propaganda. And if people are saturated in it long enough, then they'll conform to what we want them to think and do and behave. But that really doesn't work. It's far more in line with the Christian view, the philosophical view of rationalism, that we are born with a soul and a mind that God gave us, and that our brains are capable of apprehending the truth, of discovering the truth. It's not a relative truth. It's a true truth that we are capable of understanding in our mind. And if that's the way we are, which is what I think, the rationalist view, then forgiveness, when we talk about forgiveness as Christianity, again, we're not talking about being doormats. We're talking about being humble and being willing to listen to someone even when we think that they might be really wrong. Even if we have a loved one that we think we're pretty sure they've got it all mixed up we can still ask questions and listen, and that in and of itself can be transformative. And I'll give you a real-world example. This is something I heard a long time ago, and I thought about it, and I went back, and I, and I found the article I heard a long time ago, and, and I looked up the person, and it's, it's still true. There's this real human being by the name of Daryl Davis, Daryl Davis is a rhythm and blues musician. He is an African-American man. In addition to being a musician, he has had this side effect of his music vocation. And it all started a long time ago when he was a very young man, very talented, and he was playing the piano in a night establishment, in a bar. And he was playing the blues, doing his thing, very good. And this particular bar happened to be in an area that there were no African-American people. Everybody was white. And after he was done playing, a man in the bar came up to him and said, I can't believe that you, as a black man, can play the blues that well. I didn't know black people were musicians or could play the blues. And, and Mr. Daryl Davis, he thought he was joking. He went, oh, that's a good one, ha-ha. But the guy was very serious. So rather than something boiling up, he kept his cool, and he said, well, well tell me more about that. And, and the, the man began to share you know, his experiences, 
And Mr. Davis asked more questions tactfully, very carefully, wanting to understand where this guy was coming from. And eventually, the man pulled out his wallet and showed him that he was a card-carrying member of the KKK. And Mr. Davis continued to talk to him. And they actually met later. And they became friends. And eventually, this man tore up his card, renounced his membership, and he actually gave Mr. Davis his hood and his robe. And this inspired Mr. Davis to continue to have these conversations. And at the time of when the article was written about him, and the article is about 10 years old, he had collected over 100 KKK robes and hoods from different people that he had befriended and transformed, not by stamping his foot and yelling, but by asking questions to a point where the people he were talking to, they simply couldn't continue the life that they were living. They were transformed by him and his questions and his humility. So when Jesus says we are to forgive 77 or 4,900 times, he's talking about that. He's talking about a kind of forgiveness that doesn't just leave things the way they are, but they transform us. Suppose that the next time in your life, someone that you care about or love shares an opinion that you just can't tolerate. Think about Mr. Davis and maybe just try to say to your, your friend or your loved one or your colleague, say, tell me more about what you think. And then listen and see if you can learn more about their history and what led them to that point. And keep asking questions. And because we are all made in God's image and we are capable of understanding the truth, each of us can get there on our own if someone is willing to walk with us courageously. Jesus said that when two or three people are gathered in my name, I am there with you. When we choose to enter a conversation to forgive, right? Forgiveness doesn't just mean accepting somebody's apology. It means outgiving them, being grace forward. When we do that, we are talking to someone in the name of Jesus. And we can be sure that Jesus is there with us. They are in us, they are in the one with whom we are speaking, and Jesus is not content to leave any of us the way we are, but Jesus' Spirit will transform us and encourage us gently to grow. And that's why, that's what Joseph meant when he said to his brothers, even though you intended harm against me, God's Spirit the whole time was working in you and in me to bring about good. The Spirit of God is always with us, encouraging us to be good. Amen.